Hi, hope you're good. It's Guy here. Welcome to Creative Forces. Um, I've just spent the last hour uh, going through the delightful task of rationalising my two-year-old's toys. He's got ended up after Christmas with so much stuff layered on top of all the other stuff he's got over the last two years that I've had to box some of it up and stick it up in the loft where it'll no doubt live for the next 15, 20 years before we find it again under something. But... Yeah, it took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, but I thought it was going to do. But I've done it, so I feel good. Uh, but on enough of that. On to uh, this episode. Uh, in this episode, I speak to Portia Jones. Now she's the creator of the travel and lifestyle blog Pip and the City. Now Portia grew up in South Wales and always had a passion for travel, as you'll find out. And as a teenager, she went on the first of many solo trips abroad. She's been all over the world. And after 10 years, more than 10 years of traveling all over the place by herself, she decided to launch her blog. Uh, Since then, she's been shortlisted for awards. She's become brand brand ambassador for many different brands. And she's collaborated with all sorts of tourism boards and travel brands. Now, in this interview, I went to her place in South Wales, where she is uh, still based. And we had a very funny conversation. I really, really enjoyed talking to her, Portia. I think you'll enjoy listening to her story too. She tells me all about um, some of the crazy situations she's got in over the years, uh, thanks in part to her self-confessed uh, dodgy uh, organisational skills uh, and planning skills, should we say? Uh, she talks about why she loves comics and sci-fi, and why that's had such a big—that's why that's had a big impact on her life too. Um, and why uh, she also explains why being in fancy dress can be helpful sometimes when you lose something on the train. Okay, so we're we're in your flat, which is also your office. Yes. And we were just talking before we started that you—I'm sitting on a Darth Vader pillow. Yes, you are. A cushion, <laughs> I should say. And there's a Star Trek cushion on the other side of the settee which says, I have been and always shall be your friend. Spock. Quote from Mr. Spark. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. So <laughs> t- what are you big Star Wars and Star Trek fan, I take it? I am. And normally, obviously, you have to pick sides with those things. But, you know, I'm an enigma. What can you do? <laughs> I do enjoy both. And, uh, yeah, I've got lots of sort of like Star Wars, Star Trek paraphernalia kicking around. What um, else have you got? <laughs> So I've got a, a blankie um, that's a full-size Leonard Nimoy blankie um, that okay. I have. Um, I also have a pillow that I sleep with that's Benedict Cumberbatch's face on from when he was Khan in Star Trek, <laughs> which obviously my husband loves. Um, yep. Yeah, so he's he's drawing the line at things like having an entire bedspread with like a uh, Captain Kirk on as well. He's like, May- maybe we need to rein in yeah, okay. <laughs> the amount of uh, furniture with other men's faces on. Khan <laughs> is one thing, but Kirk would be yeah, a step like, too far. Yeah, he's like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so where does the love of that come from? Has that been something that you've always had? I loved uh, comic books. <coughs> Excuse me. I loved comic books as a child. Um, sci-fi, fantasy. Um, I was a big He-Man fan. When I was asked by my teacher, what do you want to be when you grow up? I replied, Ninja Turtle. Right. Um, which amused her greatly. <laughs> um, and, of course, we now know, obviously, Marvel's very mainstream now. And you can see people, you know, walking down the streets with, you know, sort of like Captain America T-shirts, etc. on. And, uh, 
you know, um, seat belt covers with, you know, star shield, all that kind of stuff. But mm. back when I was young, it, it wasn't common, especially for a girl. Mm. So it was sort of sort of set me apart in quite a strange way because, you know, there I was sort of 10 years old and I love Spider-Man comics. And I could only dream of a world where they're, they'd be full of like Spider-Man paraphernalia you could mm. buy or wear or have. I, I couldn't have imagined it. So I wasn't particularly into dolls or any sort of traditional girls toys i loved my he-man figures and my star wars comics and my lego and all that kind of stuff but uh yeah like i said it, it's funny how you know years down the line now that's really sort of socially acceptable isn't mm. it especially for females you know girls go to see wolverine in the cinema yeah. now don't they whereas i think the other kids thought i was a little bit strange <laughs> so was it was it just you or did you have some couple of friends that were doing it too or it was just kind of me really um not even the kind of boys in my class were really that into comic books um i loved all that kind of fantastical yeah kind what, of what stuff. did you love about it i think it was just other worlds really um because i was really interested in other countries as well i have a very vivid memory um of the the globe in our school and I used to love spinning it and landing my finger on somewhere and thinking, oh, I, I want to go there someday. So for me, I think it's all about escapism and thinking about other places, other worlds, other planets, other possibilities. And I think that's what always has and still does appeal to me, really. Mm. So they kind of represented a possibility of places you might go or things you might experience. Yeah, just a little bit, a little bit fantastical, yeah. you know, growing up in Cardiff. As lovely as it is, you know, it can be a little bit rainy and especially, you know, <laughs> sort of 80s and 90s as well. It's not the city that, that we know now. There's, there's a lot more to do. Whereas, you know, when I was growing up, it, it, it wasn't anywhere near as kind of vibrant or exciting. So, yeah, I, I, I sort of read a lot and, you know, was really interested in comics and, and otherworldly kind of things, mm. shall we say. Well, and obviously your love of travel did has sort of developed from there but where do you think that come, came from then that sort of idea of going to different places um like I said I was sort of always sort of interested um in other countries as a kid I, I loved geography lessons looking at all the flags spinning the globe that kind of thing and then when I was younger my parents took me on a holiday and I think I was about 16 at the time or so uh, at a holiday camp in France and uh one of the bar uh, tenders there was a guy called Greg and he was like I think he was two or three old, years older than me and he was just fascinating he mm. had like traveled around already you know even at such a young age and there he was working in a bar in France and we became really good friends and it just it blew my mind that you could just do that because obviously it's you go to school and you get a job and, and you know that's kind of you know you get mm. married you have kids that's what you do and to meet someone who showed you this whole other world of possibilities was just really interesting. And then me and Greg uh, became pen pals and we're still friends to this day. We've actually been on trips together. Oh, really? And like, yeah, yeah. And where was he from then? Newcastle. Right, okay. So, yeah, um, he was just such an interesting guy. I mean, he's worked on, like, cruise ships and he's, like, worked in bars and space, worked in Tunisia. He's just this crazy Geordie, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Um, and he was just fascinating to me as a, as a younger person because mm. I was like, wow, you know, you could just work in a bar in France? <laughs> what? <laughs> and pen pals as well. I mean, that seems like an amazing it's concept now, doesn't it? But that, was got... all, that was all the rage, wasn't it, in the 80s? I yeah. remember pen pals in the 90s, you know, pen pals were 
Everyone, you know, everyone had one at some point through school, didn't they? Absolutely. It seems really sort of quaint now. And, and the thing is, it sounds kind of naive when you say, oh, you didn't realise you could work in a bar in, mm. in France when you were young. And I was like, well, the thing is that the internet wasn't really around so much mm. back then. I think, it, you know, it, it was there, it obviously, to, you know, dial-up speed took forever. There weren't many websites. There were certainly no websites explaining how to work abroad or no. TripAdvisor or anything like that. I mean, travelling and working abroad and seeing the world is so much different now from when I was younger because you can research everything. You can you can look at the hotel you're going to be staying in and see sort of like 360 degree views of the rooms, for example. You can do street view on Google Maps. When mm. I first started traveling at 18, none of those things existed. It really was mm. a leap into the unknown back then. And before meeting Crazy Geordie then in... Uh... In France, what was the what did you th- what were your sort of ambitions or what were you thinking you might do before then? Do you know what I I didn't really have really concrete ambitions and like a lot of my other friends who seemed to know exactly what they wanted to do. For example, um, my best friend since I was four years old, Charlotte, is a veterinary nurse, and mm. that's something she wanted to do since we were four five years old. <laughs> um, Mostly because we used to rescue sort of like half-dead sparrows from my cat, who's a, who's a bit of a swine. Um, but all I ever really wanted to do was to see other places. Mm. And I know it sounds terribly cliche, but there's no other way to describe it, really. And I, I just wanted to do anything that would allow me to do that. Mm. And of course, it's, it's, it was harder back then, because how do you research things like that? You know, it, there's, there's no travel blogs or websites or youtube channels explaining exactly how to do these things it, mm. it was just sort of apply for things or hope for the best or buy a plane ticket what you year know. was this then what year are we talking about oh gosh um so i went on my first uh trip to Paris, my first solo trip to paris when i was 18 mm. um so that would have been gosh 2003 four something mm. like that mm. <laughs> um so yeah quite a quite a long time ago so this was pre-facebook as well Mm. pre-smartphones so when i first started traveling solo my poor parents had no (laughs) idea really where i was going what i was doing no proper way to stay in touch Mm. they used to have to wait for me to ring from a phone box yeah they used to have to buy phone cards you remember you scratch off the panel on the back to reveal the numbers (laughs) all that kind of stuff and looking back now i think oh my god why did they let me do (laughs) these things are they mad because of course now you can keep in touch skype facebook whatsapp you know you you've got data free in most of the in yeah. most of europe now so i can phone home when i'm away so yeah it was just it was a real leap of faith back then mm. and uh i and it was a really again staying on the stranger seems it really it was a really strange thing to be doing because of course now it's all very vogue isn't it female solo travel but again back then mm. none of my friends were doing it and mm. everyone I think I think everyone just thought I was a bit mad <laughs> <laughs> just sort of like getting a backpack and going somewhere yeah. by myself they, what's what are you doing why would you go on holiday alone <laughs> like it's just it just seemed like such a strange thing now there's you know you google you know female solo travel and lord knows how many million hits you'd get on that but it just it wasn't as much of a thing Hmm. when I started doing it so what did your mum and dad do uh my dad he's retired now he was an engineer Hmm. um and my mum looked after me and my sister and prior to that she was in the civil service Hmm. 
Um, and I was the only one really in our family that had had this obsession with travel mm. my my sister's a corporate tax manager she's very smart <laughs> <laughs> very smart very focused um so i'm sort of quite the opposite from from her a little bit chaotic mm. <laughs> <laughs> um you know a little bit flighty so i i just yeah I, I i'm sort of quite grateful really that they've always been so understanding mm. of my traveling and everything because like i said back then it, it would have seemed like such a strange sort of thing i went to work in um cornwall when i was 19 uh, as an outdoor instructor right. i applied i think it was to a newspaper ad um and then you know I, i'd applied to a few different things i think i applied to work in a ski chalet mm. as well about gosh it must have been about 30 or 40 different jobs and then i had a phone call on the landline no less um <laughs> from this guy and he he asked me a lot of interview questions and as I was being interviewed I realized I had no idea what I was being interviewed for because I'd applied for so many <laughs> so I was like oh Christ so he's asked me this. and I was like yeah mm-hmm. giving all these answers and then at the end of the phone call he said you've got the job and I was like yay what is it what job <laughs> <laughs> he said we'll send you information so Good. I was in the post so I was like oh god so then I, I had this letter going um, welcome to JCA, which is Junior Choice Adventure. She had a couple of days as well of suspense yeah. of waiting to like, find out what it was. Don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was an outdoor company. Um, and yeah, so I worked in um, Somerset and Cornwall. Mm. And then uh, teaching outdoor education. So they train you up in things like um, climbing, archery, hiking, uh, kayaking, all that kind of stuff. And then let you loose on sort of <laughs> groups of school children. Um, so I, I remember doing that. And as I was sort of packing my things and loading the car, my parents were like, where are you going? I was like, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Got this like postcode. They're like, what, what are you going to be doing? I'm like... I think it's something to do with teaching, <laughs> something to do with outdoor education. And they were just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so is this basically sort of after your A-levels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I think they were just like, what, <laughs> what is she doing? So I drove in my little um, Citroen Blue Saxo that I loved more than anything, that I'd scraped uh, enough money together working nice. part-time to buy myself. I was very proud of this. Yeah. And what were you doing working part-time? Um, I did, uh, it's, it's quite a funny story actually, I started off um, in Peacocks with my best friend Charlotte. Is that the clothes shop you mean? Yeah, yeah. £2.75 an hour. Right. <laughs> um, and my mum had, had talked about the importance of getting a part-time job to earn money, to, to learn a sense of responsibility. So there I was, I'd, I'd got my £2.75 an hour job and I was also um, a member of a, a drama club called the workshop mm. um, that was also a casting agency and, right. <laughs> and I ended up being cast um to do uh radio voiceovers for the BBC for um some children's radio dramas okay and I think it was paying 45 pounds an hour right so there I was <laughs> at like 15 60 earning more then frankly than I do now <laughs> coming home from school going mum I've got this other job now as well she's like what other job I was like oh the BBC I'm gonna get 45 pounds an hour she was like what <laughs> so I ended up nice. doing um some BBC stuff some extra filming work and, and bits and pieces and I, yep. I just saved it all up um 
do my A levels at the same time and, and bought bought my own Brilliant. car. Took myself to Paris eighteen yep. <laughs> as well. So this was the trip to Paris, right? So this was the first sort of trip by yeah. yourself. So yeah. tell me about that. What what made you decide to do that in the first place and why did you go to Paris? So I um just I've always been a little bit in love with the idea of Paris. Yeah. The Eiffel Tower, the <laughs> lights, all that kind of stuff. And um so I booked I booked a trip to go. And then I mentioned it uh, to Crazy Greg. Yeah. And he was like, brilliant, I'll come too. Brilliant. So my parents had to drop me off at the airport to meet this crazy Geordie that they <laughs> they, they were entrusting the youngest daughter with. And we went to Paris for, I think, three or four days. And yeah. we just didn't have a clue. It was December. <laughs> I, I only would have been just turned 18. Right. I believe I it was minus 10 I was basically dressed as I am now in like just normal jeggings and like a <laughs> light jacket <laughs> we had not a lot of money between us because you know we were young yeah no clue oh uh, it was it was ridiculously good fun but just uh, looking back I'm like my word how did we survive that <laughs> I've got a very vivid memory of um we'd, we'd gone out and had some wines and at, at the end of the evening we're trying to get back to our hotel and greg is like i can speak french can you greg <laughs> yes yes i can and he's he's telling the taxi driver our hotel and the taxi driver's you know turn around in french and greg's in french and they're sort of shouting back and forth like and I'm like, why does the taxi driver not know where we are? Again, it's not like a, we could get Google Maps up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, through the sort of wine haze, it occurred to me that Greg was giving the taxi driver his address in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And that seemed to be the problem. Then it transpired that Greg couldn't remember <laughs> the name of our hotel. So we had to get out of the taxi and walk around Paris till six o'clock in the morning <laughs> until we found our hotel. Oh, Greg. So, yeah, he's, he's a liability. Yeah, but you did find so, it. That's incredible. Yes, How exactly. did you manage that? I have no idea. I think it was pure luck. So you basically <laughs> yeah. rounded a corner and there it was. Yeah, we were like, oh, there it is all along. <laughs> so, yeah, so wow. I... So you got the bug at that point, despite yeah. Greg's poor yes. sense of direction. Absolutely. So is, that, is it fair to say then that, yeah, you, you wanted to do more? Yeah, yeah, and I ended up doing... I've been to Paris, um, you know, uh, I think I went the following year after that, but, mm. but by myself that time. I've been to all over Europe by myself. I've been to rail by myself. I've worked in Australia. I worked in Camp America. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so you did the Cornwall. How long did you last there? I think that was about a year or right. so. And then where was the next stop after that? Uh, Florida. Okay, so is this Camp America? Yeah, yeah. So again... No real information as to where I'm going. And that's what the I'm sort doing. of outdoor training sort of stuff again, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of like basically very similar to what I was doing in in Cornwall's kind of mm. kid camp kind of stuff. Um, so you go and uh, look after sort of like young American kids who've gone to to summer camp for the mm. summer. And um, yeah, so again, jumping on a plane to to America. No, no Greg this time. No, by myself. <laughs> And again, my, my poor parents, where are you going? What are you doing? Oh, it's this camp in Florida. Of course, you couldn't really check, could you, online? No. Like now, anyone doing Camp America type programs can go online and, and read up on the camp they'll be going to, read reviews, read what other people say, see yeah. photos, videos, yeah. go on Instagram, see lots of... There was none of that. I didn't know what the camp 
looked like or I don't think it had a website at all hmm. either. So <laughs> this was pre-Facebook as well. So it's not like I could connect yeah. with anyone yeah. um, at the camp as well, you know, prior to my going. And uh, yeah, so I went to go and work over there. And so was that for a summer then? Yeah. And then you could do with the visa back then it covered you for your work period and then you could travel afterwards. So again, I went traveling around the rocking around the States with the money that I didn't in summer camp. Because what I didn't realize about summer camp is the wages are atrocious. Right. But you get your board and food and whatever. But the tips, um, at least in the camp I was at, were fantastic. Okay. So... um, I didn't realise, but I'd accidentally ended up in this really, really well-to-do camp that very well-off people send their children. Right, so their parents basically hand you a, oh my a wad of cash at the end of the week oh, or whatever. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was always like, oh my God, Chelsea just loves you. Here's $400. <laughs> like, oh okay. my days, I'm going to Vegas for the weekend. <laughs> And did gonna, you go to Vegas? I did. And How I, was that? I've never I, been to Vegas. I've I been to the States, but I've never been to Vegas. Most irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> I was just crazy. I just couldn't believe Because, of course, we don't have tipping culture no. in the UK, do we? So, so you weren't expecting it at all? No, not at all. But it, it certainly funded like a good few months of, uh, of travel mm. after that. So, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was brilliant. I sort of went around Florida, went to... Uh, a group of us went to Orlando Hmm. um, and of course back then it was two dollars to the pound Hmm. so I figure there's no point taking money home no this this is money (laughs) to be spent so uh, I think there was a group of us that ended up uh, booking a a villa in Orlando for about 17 or 18 people and I believe it cost me about 90 dollars because when you split it with that many people for like 10 days so it was it was ridiculously good fun especially being that young and you yeah. know being in a, a massive villa in florida and you think this this can't be real life yeah. i'm supposed to be working in an office yeah. or something so, and were you thinking at this point that you would go home at some point and get an office job or did you start to think right okay you know this is what i want to do now i want to just experience these different places and, yeah. and work while i'm there i think i just wanted to do whatever allowed me to to travel really so then mm. I, you know, over the years, I've did a, a succession of things like uh, youth work jobs in Bristol and in Cardiff. And a lot of them had an emphasis on European projects. Mm. So we would take groups of young people uh, on experiences in Europe for a week, 10 days, two weeks, um, normally around certain educational themes such as human rights or environment, et cetera, et cetera. So that was really good for me because it meant that you know, I could be sort of like UK based, but Mm. also still do a lot of travel. Um, I did Camp America again. Mm. So I went back to the same So when did you sort of get into the youth work then? Was that sort of? Uh, From about 22-ish or so. So so. that was your kind of main work here, was it? While you were traveling around that? Yeah. And then, um, so I did that for quite a few years uh, doing the European projects, but I also did things on top because I... I'm sort of, I'm terrible at just doing one thing. I have to be doing like five different things Mm. just to keep it interesting. So I also did things like freelance events. Um, I did some stuff for Real Radio Mm. as well. What sort of events when you say freelance events? Um, So it was mostly things like uh, conferences, award ceremonies. um, Organising them, you mean? Yeah, well, it's more back 
back then it was more helping on the day-to-day stuff and a bit of organization um beforehand again it was something i accidentally ended up in um a friend of mine uh rang me and said oh i've I've fallen over on night out (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh can you cover for me Mm. doing this event she was like i think it's something like an outside kids disco or something she was like oh there'll be bubbles you'll love it (laughs) so i went and then uh i i worked the event and and met the organizer a guy called nick um and we got on really well and then yeah i ended up being event staff for him on a freelance basis and then uh event managing Mm. for him so i used to run um some of his events then and I'm still friends with Nick to this day, and I still do your bits and pieces for him. Right. So, um, which is really nice. I've, I've been quite lucky in that I've managed to maintain working relationships with um, several people for like several years, which mm. is really good. And it was really helpful for me traveling because what I tended to do was freelance uh, for a bit in the UK doing youth work event work. Then I'd take a few months off and I'd go backpacking around Asia. Yeah. Then I'd come back pick up where I left yeah. off then I go away again I, and I go to Australia and then I can and this went on for most of my 20s to mm. be honest so was it a kind of cycle of saving up to yeah. go for your next traveling mm-hmm. adventure yeah yeah so I'd work ridiculously hard when I was in the UK mm. um in a multitude of different jobs <laughs> I also did some uh agency work for youth stuff and that involved um doing things like overnight in kind of like halfway houses so you know you'd have like some quite sort of like let's just say troubled young people Mm. um and then they'd they'd very often be put um in these kind of like halfway type houses and i do some overnight kind of shifts there and you know they they were kind of they were hard going because especially because normally i'd been working all day Mm -hmm. and then i drive to one of these places and Mm. stay overnight and your job basically was if anything went wrong which sometimes with troubled youth <laughs> that yeah. can happen yeah. um your job is to to kind of sort it out and make sure they're okay i remember one kid uh decided to dismantle all his furniture at four o'clock in the morning and write all over the walls right which was fun so you had to deal with that yeah so i walked into this like room in this and it was a really old like victorian house and there was all kind of like writing in red pen all around the wall and the kid was just sat in the middle of this chaos and i remember thinking ah oh, i'm starring in my very own horror film <laughs> marvelous <laughs> it's fine it's only another four hours till i go to my next job <laughs> so you were yeah you were working around the clock yeah yeah like i said i did and just banking all the, the cash basically yeah. In basically trying to save up as much as possible just to my only ever goal really was just to kind of get to the next destination yeah. get to the next adventure and i was quite lucky even when i was uk based like i said doing a lot of these european projects meant that i was going to places like latvia lithuania turkey at one point mm. um we did a surfing project in spain and france and portugal over a few weeks where we took a, a lot of British young people to learn how to surf and in exchange they'd clean up the beaches that we went to so if they did x amount of kind of you know litter picking they got Mm. rewarded with surf lessons at the end of the day so that was quite a nice initiative to do Mm. um I'm still actually in touch with several of the young people oh really yeah yeah that's nice um which is lovely spoke to one the other day so Mm. yeah it's just really nice I'm quite 
sort of like I'm quite keen like I said in, in terms of work and in life to to kind of develop relationships and to to kind of keep them going really I think mm. it's it's really nice to have those bonds with people mm. over the years and you know have things to look back on so I've been very fortunate in that I've met some lovely people in mm. the UK certainly abroad as well um our wedding <laughs> uh, that Luke and I had in 2016 had people flew over from Canada uh, New Zealand, the US, <laughs> the Netherlands. It was it was like the UN <laughs> that wedding, well, that's nice. <laughs> which is lovely. So basically my 20s were spent just constantly in motion, just mm. trying to travel as much as possible, um, whilst obviously still trying to maintain mm. relationships with family and friends <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But it was, yeah, it was chaotic and it was fun and it was, oh, it was absolutely brilliant. And I'd, I'd sort of, recommend it to to anyone really if you if you're not really sure what it is you want to do a lot of people have very definitive goals many mm. of my friends are vets barristers teach you know and they always had a very sort of like clear goal mm. um which is amazing and i i just kind of always lacked that because all <laughs> i all i ever wanted to do was was to travel and mm. um you know, and I, and I think if you are a little bit lost like that in life, maybe travel can help you if you're not really sure of what mm. path you want to go down ultimately. Mm. Um, you know, because not everyone knows. Yeah. It's such a big thing to decide, especially at a young age. I have a, a nephew who's 15 and yeah, they're, they're trying to get them to kind of decide their, yeah. their A-levels and their career paths at 15. And I, I remember what it was like back then. And you're like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I want to be Annika Rice. What do I do to be <laughs> Annika Rice? <laughs> well, I definitely fall into yeah. that camp too. Not necessarily being Annika Rice, yeah. but, you know, wanting to try lots of different things and not knowing necessarily what to do. So, yeah. you know, yeah. And travel for me was really a good thing to do. I mean, I did it slightly later, but, um, you know, it was a really important thing and really beneficial. I was going to ask you, so when did the the traveling then turn into or start turning into actually writing about it and, you know, sort of documenting what you were doing? Well, when I used to go away, I used to um, send uh, sort of emails and then eventually Facebook messages uh, mm. to, to friends back home with these sort of long sort of diatribes of what I'd been up to and... <laughs> all the the ridiculous things that had, had happened to me I'm not entirely sure why when when people realize I do travel writing and I've done a lot of travel they assume I know what I'm doing mm. and the <laughs> truth the truth is I'm I'm somewhat of a, a chaotic traveler and <laughs> honestly I, I feel I could write a book with in what way oh my goodness well I've been detained by Miami border control <laughs> um when I went to work in Camp America, I flew in without my visa. Okay. Was it sitting on the kitchen table <laughs> yes, in Cardiff? Yes, yeah. Because um, you get, back then you had a, a page on your passport, but you mm. also had um, your, I think it was called your J1 visa that was a piece of A4 paper. And I left that at home. <laughs> so I was interrogated for two hours. <laughs> um, Did you know so you'd left it? Before you got to the gate? Or? No, no, I went through, showed my passport and they were like, J1? <laughs> and of course, most of them were speaking Spanish as well, because it's right. Miami. Yeah, so they sure. go, J1? I was like, I don't know what that is. Anyway, I'm just going to go on through. They were like, no. <laughs> so then these armed guards came over and I was escorted by nice. armed guards um, to this tiny room where uh, border agents proceeded to shout at me in Spanish for two hours whilst I cried. <laughs> then eventually... Um, 
someone came in who spoke English and I sort of threw myself upon him. I was like, oh, sorry, and I let at my parents. <laughs> and he was like, right, ma'am, c- can someone fax this? And I was like, hey, sister, I'm going to get her on the phone. And he was just like, right. Well, like he, yeah. he evidently wanted me out of his <laughs> sight. Let's sorted out. Um, he was like, right, well, let's get your sister to, and then, and then we'll we'll have you on your way, shall we? <laughs> so my new boss, Laura, um, had to, who'd been waiting for me for two hours, okay, and I was sort of sort of dishevelled. I had like one braid in, one braid out, <laughs> like tear stained, with this giant backpack that my father said made me look like a weeble. So it was like three, because I'm only five foot two, and this backpack I think was like three times the size of me. So wobbling through departures, and she must have thought, "Dear God, who have we hired?" <laughs> like, well, I've just oh, just many incidents. I had cholera in Vietnam right. and was hospitalised. Is um, that from like street food or something, or is that from? Apparently, well, you get cholera from dirty water. Right. Yeah. And so I assumed that maybe I'd had some something that was like washed yeah. in like dirty water. And um, I broke my wrist on day one of our holiday in Malta because I fell into the harbour. Not. I was completely sober. I'd like to add. <laughs> Okay, how do you fall into the harbour? I slipped on the seaweed and according to my husband, I went up in the air about seven foot and came crashing down on my wrist. Like a cartoon. Like a cartoon. (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh gosh. Yeah, it's just... Okay, so things don't always go to plan. No, no, they do not. Like <laughs> many missed trains, incidences with border control. But did, um, but did you include all this stuff in your messages to people? Oh, yeah. And basically everyone was like, you need to start writing about this stuff, mm. you know. And I was like, oh, I don't know who'd read it. Um, but I suppose fast forward a few years later, I'd I'd come back to Cardiff because I'd met uh, my now husband, Luke. Mm. Um and I decided to to stay, um, and mostly because he said he'd get me a hamster. <laughs> um, Although you were telling me, sadly, the hamster's no longer with us. I know. She died of skin cancer. I didn't even know hamsters could get skin cancer. No. It was dreadfully upsetting. Rest in peace. Um, rest in peace, Princess Juju Beans. Um, <laughs> Where does that name come from, by the way? Uh, she was called Jubilee from right. X-Men, and then it just sort of became okay. princess juju beans maybe after a wine <laughs> um and uh yeah we used to like i think we used to say it to her when we used to sing to her um <laughs> because we're that adorable <laughs> um, what would you sing to her oh <laughs> i remember we'd we'd gone out for the evening and we'd had some drinks and we came back and i've got this really cringe recollection of us stood over her cage singing mummy and daddy love you so much <laughs> wow i wasn't expecting yeah, that yeah i was which, expecting something a bit more sort of uh yeah it wasn't know, mainstream like the beastie boys or anything no um which was i think meant to be on the list of things we were to never tell anyone yeah. whoops <laughs> whoops a daisy um oh well okay so luke got your hamster so yes. you said you would so stay. I stayed um i ended up working for a college doing events and digital marketing mm. um but the good thing about that was obviously it was nice to be a bit kind of grounded for for a while but mm. also because it was a college um we had lots of holidays 
which I would maximize. So like academic holidays, basically. Yes. And we also had time off in lieu. So if I worked, um, say, on an evening event, I could take the time back. Okay. So I I then started my own website. So what year was this when you started the website? 2016. Okay. So I started the website. I was also doing bits of content for local magazines um, and other travel websites as well. And I started just writing some articles um, and posting stuff, you know, online. And yeah, just people seemed to, to kind of enjoy it. And I remember someone telling me that they liked my writing because it was delightful whimsy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and yeah. this was on the Pip in the City blog. Yeah, so right? this was on my travel website, Pip in the City. So yeah, just um, tell us about why is it just the, what's the, the name, <laughs> Pip in the City? What's the story well, there? Pip's been my nickname since I was four. Um, my sister gave it to me because I was obsessed with Pippi Longstockings as a child. Right. Um, and I had this whole. That's a Swedish yes, cartoon, isn't it? With yeah. the, she's the little redheaded girl with the, the plaits and she goes on adventures. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so it all yeah. feeds into the, So this is. Were you obsessed with her because of the fact she went on yeah, a boat? Yeah, she yeah. went on a boat and went <laughs> sailing by herself. And I was like, this is brilliant. Where's yeah. my boat? <laughs> um. And uh, I had this whole kind of weird uh, sex in the city fantasy where I would be in coffee shops typing away, drinking like, you know, lattes or Chardonnay if it was after five, because, yeah. you know, it's Ireland somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, so then I, I ended up, I can't remember whether Luke suggested the name or I did, but I think we sort of collectively came up with uh, Pip and the City. Okay. Because it's about travel. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just a hobby, but people seemed to enjoy it and before long travel brands and tourism boards were asking could I write about them um so what was the the original content was was it you just describing places that you'd been yeah so I've I've been because I've been so lucky to do a lot of travels mm. um I was able to write about um a lot of the trips I had done and I was doing because I was still very much You're still doing it going away as much as yeah. uh, as I could with a full-time job mm. um and it's obviously Luke runs his own business, so it was as much as he could go away as well. So, so you went together when you went? Yeah, sometimes I did thing, we did things together and sometimes I'd still do stuff by myself mm. or I'd meet up with other travel friends mm. um, around the world. So there's a group of us that did some traveling in Australia that regularly try and meet up in Europe mm. um, and do things together. So yeah, so I was still doing like trips to, to Europe. We then went on our honeymoon uh, for a month we mm. went backpacking around central america right um we went to nicaragua guatemala honduras and costa rica mm. just costa rica if his mum asks <laughs> yeah. um yeah safe. <laughs> yes <laughs> um yeah so I, I was quite lucky in that we, you know i was still doing as many many trips as a, a full-time job could allow me so i, I mm. had constant stuff to write about or to feature on my social channels mm. as well and before long people were starting to ask me questions or oh, where where should I go on holiday and and for me that's kind mm -hmm. of what I most enjoy is is just talking about travel and mm. and trying to inspire people to travel if they you know if, certainly if they can want to or are able to um and then before long uh, I was asked to to do some radio segments on uh, BBC Radio Wales mm. uh, again advising people where they could travel like different destinations and 
we'd have different themes, you know, traveling with families or, you know, traveling as a couple or traveling Mm. in Europe, that kind of thing. And I'm still asked uh, regularly now to, if there's like a travel news story to kind of give an opinion. Right, yeah. I suppose the the benefit of doing it this way is that I've got, gosh, what, 15 years of travel behind me before I started the website. Yeah. Which is good because I and it's it's a range of travel as well. It's you know, it's backpacking and kind of working abroad and you know solo travel, volunteering abroad, all those kind of things. So I feel like quite lucky, and I've got a really good hmm. sort of grounding. Um, whereas you know, people often ask me, "Oh, don't you wish you started the website ten years ago?" And I think, well, not really, because I wouldn't. I don't think I'd have the knowledge hmm. then or. You know, and it was certainly wasn't easy to build a website then. It's not easy now because mm. my parents let me do drama, not IT. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm kind of glad that the travel was for me mm. back then. You know, it was just because I wanted to. Yeah, and, it wasn't like a job. But it wasn't yeah. like for any other reason than just for your enjoyment. Yeah, and just because I wanted to do it. And now it's my job and mm. I love it. But obviously it changes the way you travel, doesn't it? Because now I have to go... Everywhere I go now, I think, hmm, what would hmm. what would my readers um, want to know about this destination? I have to try and take the nicest photos. I can't write down everything. So if I go somewhere, how much does it cost to get in? Hmm. You know, what's the what dishes are on? Uh, you know, sort of like local to the area, all that kind of thing. Um, so it does change the way you travel does massively. It, has it changed it for the better? Do you think, or do you do you kind of miss the old days where you didn't have to, or not have to, but you didn't have that in your mind do you know what i got into um a lively discussion which was good fun um on this very subject because i Mm. believe the the telegraph released an article asking was travel better 20 years ago and i sort of feel very nostalgic about that and sort of think well yeah yeah i think it was because it was such a a leap of faith you you had no real idea you know of of where you were going there was no trip advisor like we said google maps facebook and travel has changed so much in the last 20 years and i love what i'm doing now and you know i i think it's it's one of the best jobs in the world mm. but it was i do miss the the adventure mm. sometimes and and the not knowing so i was quite lucky january of this year i did uh i got the train from estonia to russia mm. and of course there's no data in russia um, well, like, there is if I turn it on, but obviously I'd have to remortgage the, the flat. <laughs> is it really expensive, is it? For two? Yeah, right. and Russia it was and America recently it was. So right. I just tried to kind of old school it and ask directions, use maps. The phone was in the bag, at the bottom yeah, of the bag. Yeah, try and decipher. How was that then? Oh, it was exciting. Um, obviously. <laughs> did you have an old disposable camera as well for the pictures? Or did you no, work? I had my DSLR, <laughs> right. um, but I tried to stay off my phone You didn't go could. completely old school then? No, <laughs> and um, it, it was kind of exciting and like the good old days and, uh, you know, because when you get the train in Russia, obviously you're trying to decipher, you know, all the, the train times and where you're going and what you're doing. Mm. And <laughs> when I got on the train, they, they took my passport away and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> don't know if this is coming back or if I just live in Russia now. Don't know what's happening. And of course, can't Google it. Is no. this normal? So off he goes and comes back 20 minutes later, gives me my passport. Like, great. Sigh of relief. 
I'm like, phew, lovely. And then, <laughs> then I think a couple of hours later, we stop in the middle of nowhere and these dogs get on. I'm like, oh, dogs. <laughs> Let's be bring your dog to work day. <laughs> these dogs get on. Right. And one of them goes straight from my backpack and literally grabs it and starts shaking it from side to side. Oh, no. So now the guards are shouting at me in Russian. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, someone slipped something in my bed. I'm going to Russian jail. <laughs> and because I like to think I'm quite a positive person, I was like, well, never mind. I'll probably lose three stone. And then Holly and Phil will interview me when I come out. That'll be nice. <laughs> so I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And they're shouting at me. And they made me unpack everything in the middle of the train corridor and at the bottom was like a custard cream and i thought well that's not a very well-trained dog is it (laughs) oh specifically there for custard creams and again i can't check it is this you know what what would happen to me what's going on because again my phone's in the bottom of that bag switched Mm. off i was like oh my days (laughs) um so yeah that was uh that was interesting and then obviously i arrived in um St. Petersburg, and I just walked to my accommodation as best as I could because, again, I couldn't really use yeah. use the data or anything. So, yeah, it was it was kind of nice to to get back to that old school. Was it a nice experience to do it without the phone? Because I find I use I, I, basically I'm addicted to my phone and I hate it. We and I all want are, to get rid we? of it. <laughs> but I find it very very difficult to do it, and I think I almost need it to be forced upon me that I can't use it. Yeah, and um, I was thinking actually after that trip, and I've been thinking a while of maybe doing um, a whole trip and indeed article around kind of old school travel. So maybe Mm. leaving my phone at home so I'm not even tempted and getting the train to Europe, having like paper maps Mm. and all that kind and not booking hostels online, just having to rock up like I did, you know, when I first went into railing, all that kind of stuff and and writing about the experience. So thinking of maybe trying to do that um in 2019 because I, I think like a plan. i think it'd just be really kind of interesting for me to do and an interesting experience mm. to write about as well um mm. when i was got into this debate about whether travel was better and this, oh, yeah. this other lady was advocating no no it, it's good now um because you know you, you've got TripAdvisor, and I, I can check what restaurants I want to go to, and I can see my hotel room and stuff. And we, when it came down to it, it, it sort of transpired that she'd only ever been travelling um, in the internet. She'd never experienced right. travel yeah. pre-smartphones and Google Maps. And I just thought, gosh, that's the thing for younger people now. Mm. The, the adventure's almost sort of taken away from them, really, because mm. everything is in the palm of your hand yeah. in a way that it wasn't when I was younger. Um, and yeah, so I, I can totally understand why she'd be like, no, no travels, you know, why, why would anyone go traveling yeah. without smartphones? It's madness. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I suppose you're right. Like if you had the option, like, yeah. you know, it does take away that whole sort of happy accident though, doesn't it? Or the, you know, stumbling on a tiny restaurant that's nobody's ever heard of or yeah, you know, a little bar or something. I remember that from traveling years ago and or just going on holiday, you'd find a bar, you'd have a great night, but there's no sign outside or anything like that, but you wouldn't know about that necessarily from TripAdvisor if you were just looking for what had the highest rating. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, the thing is, I suppose when you've only got a certain amount of time off per year and it's costing mm. you money to go on holiday, I completely understand why people want to manage every aspect of it. You want to book a nice hotel. You want yeah. to make sure you're having... You don't want to have a dud evening, do you? As well. yeah. You don't want to have an awful meal. So I understand it. But like I said, I sort of yearn for that 
just turn up and you don't know really what the restaurants are like and like you said mm. you can you can end up in kind of crazy but i remember accidentally entering a pub quiz in boston <laughs> um when I, i'd wandered into this bar and i was like i'll do a pub quiz and this like horror like dive bar like it was horrendous like i'm pretty sure everyone had a gun on them and i was like yeah and the bartender was rather taken with the fact that i had a british accent yeah. um especially because i've got one of those kind of very you know countess of wessex type <laughs> british accents um so he was, he was most he was most enthralled um so he kept giving me sort of like double double nice. drinks and before i knew it i remember the the quiz master saying something like in 1929 and i stood up and went chitty chitty bang bang <laughs> before he'd even finished the question and he just went no and i have not finished the question <laughs> needless to say i did not win okay. that pub quiz in boston it was memorable though for the other yes hunters. yes i'm sure it was but <laughs> i think that's the the problem with technology and travel is mm. perhaps it hinders those kind of more random fun yeah uh, the random element is removed yeah. yeah my favorite travel memories aren't necessarily going to the most iconic landmarks or the best restaurants it's mm. the the silly ridiculous moments like when my friend ruth turned to me on the Mekong river and went our bamboo raft is sinking <laughs> <laughs> and then followed it with i can't swim <laughs> brilliant <laughs> what a fantastic time to tell me ruth that yes. <laughs> things like that i mean yeah had we googled smooth, isn't it? You know, bamboo but... raft mekong river we might have had a lot of results that say don't go on a bamboo raft on the Especially mekong river you will sink <laughs> <laughs> it's basically some poles tied together like so I, yeah i just i think that's it's a it's both a blessing and a curse to mm. me it makes my job a lot easier to kind of yeah. because sometimes i'll only be in a city for a couple of days and I, I have to write an article about it so I want to mm. try and be as efficient as possible but for just the good old backpacking days you know it, it was fun to just yeah. turn up and stay in random hostels I think I stayed in a dollar a night hostel I found in Cambodia again with my friend Ruth um who asked the the proprietor where's the shower and he went there and pointed to a bucket <laughs> And again, had we gone on like, you yeah, know, you Hostel World, TripAdvisor, there'd be a lot of people going, yeah. the shower is a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I tried to reassure Ruth that we'd wash in the river, but that only seemed to make her cry more. <laughs> <laughs> well, she did end up washing in the river by the time. Yes. <laughs> so when was there a moment then, or was there, was there a sort of specific time when it became clear to you that you could actually turn this into a job, if you like? Um, yeah, because I'd started to... Um, make money uh from the website and other people had started to ask me to kind of uh help them with their uh social media channels um or consultancy around digital content so i actually do a mixture of my own website and now i i help local companies with their digital content as well so okay. it's like i've got again i'm back to doing five different things because yeah. i can't just do one thing yeah. <laughs> um so that was the thing i i was starting to get offers from people saying oh can you do some photography for me or can you manage my instagram or can you um you know advise us on how to you know kind of create good digital content so yeah, so I decided to to kind of make the switch, which was scary because I loved my job um, working for the college and mm. my colleagues were lovely as well. But 
after three and a half years, I was like, I think it's time to kind of have a new challenge. And my husband also works for himself. He runs his own business um, in the creative industries as mm. well. And so it was really better for us to kind of both um, have flexibility as well. It, it's kind of nice that we kind of can plan our workload around each other and again, maximize our time to, mm. to travel and, and to do nice things. So, you know, we're both quite fortunate. Um, but I think what allows us to do that is, you know, we kind of live, I suppose, quite, quite like a modest sort of like, like life really you know we don't mm. live in a in a massive house we don't have a, a, a fancy car I don't have designer clothes I you know I never have in my life because all my money has gone on travel mm. and it still does <laughs> you know I'd, I'd much rather live where we live now um which is quite snug <laughs> and and go away a lot rather than you know live in a, a huge house and mm. sort of not be able to to go anywhere but I suppose you know it depends on what makes people happy mm. you know some people you know love having um super nice cars or like you know really nice shoes mm. all that kind of stuff um I don't mostly because I walk funny and I always wear the heels down so <laughs> yeah I've got a really strange walk so I always wear one side of a heel down on a shoe for some bizarre reason <laughs> yeah it's really it's really strange uh my I met my friend Hannah in New Zealand mm. and we're still friends now and she was like why are you walking funny like I don't walk funny and walk like gracefully, like a deer. <laughs> she was like, because she did um, sports science. So uh, part of her job was to kind of help athletes, I suppose, perform better. And mm. she was doing all these weird, um, lie down on your hips, do this, raise that. And she was like, oh yeah, um, you've got, I think that she said something, my hips were displayed or something like that. And I was like, mm. are they? So yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Does it happen with flip-flops as well or is it just... Yeah, I break <laughs> shoes and... Yeah, it's, it's why I can't have nice things really. I'm far too clumsy and too much of a, a liability. I drop things and it's why I don't hold babies. <laughs> you don't <laughs> no, know. Oh, no, God, no. <laughs> don't trust yourself. No, no, drop. Like I said, I'm a dropper <laughs> and a spiller. So it's quite stressful actually because I have to travel with like, you know, laptops and cameras yeah. and GoPros and I think, oh, God. <laughs> Well, you're like generally clumsy. Oh, yeah, I'm or... generally clumsy and forgetful. So, right. yeah, I've... I as once, we've, yeah, as we've heard. With the I visa. once left uh, my my digital SLR on a train uh, coming back from London. I was like, oh, it was in a bag. Mm. Um, and I'd left this separate bag on the train. I was like, oh, God, oh, God. So I had to phone uh, the train company. And uh, it's Welsh because it's Riva Trains Wales, and she answered, and she was like, "Oh, hello, hello," and I was like, "Oh my God, I've, I've left my bag on." And she was like, "Calm down, love. Now we'll find it. Don't you worry." I was like, "Okay, okay." She said, "Oh, I'll have a look on the cameras now. What were you wearing?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no." I had just been at a Star Trek convention <laughs> in London, Brilliant. so I had to say my star trek uniform <laughs> and she went hold the line <laughs> obviously to completely laugh herself stupid who were you dressed as you... and then she picked the phone back up and went original or next generation <laughs> <laughs> what a great line oh god who, were you spock uh no um i was actually a um a science officer. Okay. Generic so, science officer. Yes, generic open. science officer. What colour was that? Blue. Uniform? Blue, okay. Um, I've got a few different Star Trek outfits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but fair 
display. They located my camera. That's handy, though, isn't it? Because yeah. surely you were easy to spot. I was. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> So yeah, that's it. Is quite stressful now because I have to travel with uh, electronic items. So well, maybe the secret is to always be in be full full so costume. So you're easy to spot on the CCTV. So next time I have to ring a an airline or a train, I'm like, I'm the one in the Princess Leia outfit. <laughs> but yeah, poorly. So do you go to conventions? Oh yeah, yeah. I've been to like Star Wars, Star Trek. I went to um the Doctor Who fiftieth uh, anniversary um convention in London. Right. Um, and I went as a uh, Rose. Okay. Uh, who is um, the companion of Christopher Eccleston, if yeah. you remember. Because um, I've always quite fancied myself as a low-rent Billy Piper. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I went as her. Um, yeah, I, I love all that kind of nerdy stuff. And when I went backpacking in Canada, uh, my Canadian friend took me to the town of Vulcan as a surprise. Oh, wow. And they have um, Leonard Nimoy statue and a, a mini Star Trek museum so i was just like this is the greatest day ever so i turned up in my uniform which they were most surprised um by at the museum they were like oh aren't you from wales i was like yeah they were like you travel around with a star trek uniform i was like yes yes i do do you take that on every trip your star trek uniform most trips do you wow oh i know that's an incredible detail (laughs) and uh yeah again to add to the kind of general chaotic nature i'm not very good at packing so i'll take like a star trek uniform or mini harry potter ones but i'll forget to bring like socks <laughs> My husband is, it, like, is it always the um the generic scientist one or is it you've got different ones oh i've got different ones okay. <laughs> i've got an ahura outfit as well um and my husband's like, you are not allowed to pack for yourself anymore. <laughs> He's like, what is this? And I'm just like, phaser. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> it's He's... become a massive thing, hasn't it, though, recently? Well, yeah. in the last few years, it seems to me to have got bigger and bigger, the whole, you know, conventions for sci-fi, oh, yeah. particularly and people absolutely. dressing up in the costumes. Oh, absolutely. It's, like, massive. And they're opening whole theme parks now, aren't they? Yeah. And there's, like, the Harry Potter there's studios. There's going to be a Star Wars one, I think, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, I can't I, wait. I take it you're going there. Oh, my God, yeah. Even if we've got to sell the house. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. <laughs> but, is he um, just as into it as you are? Or? He's quite into um, uh, science fiction. I, I'm not sure as much as, right. as I am, but he, he does. He goes he does along en- with it. Yeah, he does enjoy it. He's a, quite a big Star Wars fan, okay. um, which is quite good to have someone to, <laughs> to go with. But um, I quite like Harry Potter as well. So I've yeah. been to the Harry Potter studios in London, obviously with my Gryffindor costume. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm quite lucky because quite a few of... Um, the girls are into Harry Potter as well, so there's a group of us. There's, mm. there's nothing quite like a group of 30-year-old women <laughs> going to, like, the Harry Potter studio tour. <laughs> Do you quite enjoy, though, going there in costume, like, on the train Oh, it was stuff? brilliant. I was the only one in costume because my friends were like, we're not that sad. <laughs> <laughs> so they were all just dressed normally. To normal, and I was there as Hermione. <laughs> but they, they used to be over the years now. They're just like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no one's even surprised <laughs> but it's interesting actually because you mentioned drama a couple of times and does this all feed it? did you study drama then was that an ambition at one point that i did um drama for gcse and then i like i said previously i did um a drama group um mm. as well uh alongside called the workshop uh that was really good fun. so yeah i've always and then i've done some uh amdram like theater stuff which felt incredibly profound and important at the time you look back now and you're like oh god <laughs> <laughs> i basically you know 
you think these things are really sort of like important and you look back and like oh dear <laughs> like you know the, the outfit i we did an all-female production of anthony and cleopatra which felt very sort of you know at the cutting edge yeah. of culture when we did it at the time looking back now i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> they're just so pretentious and all our costumes were neon rave <laughs> Really? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I just think, oh God, wow. <laughs> cringe. Was um, that an ambition at any point, or was it? It's always something I've enjoyed. Do you still um, do it now? No, I just don't have time now, mm. um, which is unfortunate. It's something I'd love to to do, sort of like as a hobby again. But I'm just on the road too much. Maybe when in a few years, if I'm a mm. bit more sort of settled down. But uh, yeah, I, I I love, like I said, again for me, it's all about otherworldly and all that mm. kind of stuff and. Uh, drama is a good way of kind of doing that mm. that kind of thing and yeah it's 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 a real interest of mine but it's I think I always realized that with drama you know it's I admire anyone that pursues a career in it because it's it's a crazy competitive industry mm. um one of my friends Matt that I'd met in Camp America and um, he does like a, a lot of theater stuff now kind of up and down the UK and things. And it's it's grueling because, mm. you know, you finish, uh, you know, filming something or you finish a show and, yeah, you, you might be unemployed for, for six months. It's, it's hard going. And I, mm. I really admire anyone that kind of has the tenacity to go into something like that. I'm not entirely sure I, I would have, to be honest, nor mm. nor did I imagine um, that I'd, I'd ever be good enough. Like I said, mm. I always fancied myself as a bit of a Billy Piper, but <laughs> the difference is uh, she has talent. <laughs> <laughs> it always helps, doesn't it? Um, I think I was kind of okay hmm. at uh, at the drama stuff, but not. I, I think luckily I had the self awareness to realise that I hmm. I did not uh, possess the the necessary uh, the talent, um, and also I'm sort of you know I, I'm quite sort of short and I, I'm with an odd sense of humor so <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how I would have got on to mm. be honest I don't think uh, uh you know when you think of your, your typical actress I, I don't think I particularly <laughs> fit that mold <laughs> speaking of films as well I just realized um, there was a film about uh Pippi Long Longstocking wasn't there yeah the creator did you go and see that? Was that this year it came out? I think? No, I have again because I've been away so much. I haven't seen it. I've seen the original Pippi Longstocking films when I was young, but I knew there was um, uh, a film came out. About, can't use my words. A <laughs> film came out about the creator, as you said. Coming Astrid, I think. It was yeah, called, it? yeah, and I just I haven't had the opportunity. Uh, I've actually missed loads of films recently. Uh, me and the girls, the the ones who were fans of Harry Potter mm. went to go and see uh, Fantastic Beasts oh, yeah. the other day. Um, and halfway through, I was like, what's happening? And they said, have you not seen the previous one? And I was like, oh, Christ, no, I haven't. <laughs> so I just sat there, no idea what was going on. Fa Ed Eddie Redmayne was fabulous, though. So that was the main thing. It was looking ever so lovely. Um, yeah, so I just, I realised, and for me, it was a real shock because I'm, a big Harry Potter fan. I was like, oh God, I haven't, I haven't even seen the, you know, oh, no, the you've first missed Fantastic. A chunk. I know. So that's my uh, thing over Christmas. I'm going to have to watch, yes. watch that. But Revisit that. Yeah. I, I, I don't get to the cinema anywhere near as much as I'd like to mm. um, anymore, which is a real shame. So <laughs> I'm going to try and catch up over the Christmas period mm. and 
maybe binge watch some some movies to kind of <laughs> get back into it because you know some of my uh more nerdy friends are like i'm sorry you haven't seen you know, <laughs> such and such film i'm like no i'm sorry i've been away loads <laughs> they won't let me they'll take away like my star trek card you know <laughs> yeah have you got a star trek card no i feel like i should make one yes you know, they'll, they'll kick me out of the conventions. I remember going to one and I was so worried because I couldn't do, you know, where you, um, does the Vulcan salute li- live yep. long and prosper? Yep. So I had to kind of trade, like put elastic bands around my fingers and sort of like train yeah, my I, hand. I can't do it. Yeah. I can only do it on the one hand and even then it's kind of That's wonky. <laughs> wonky. So. That's not bad. Yeah. You can't do it very quickly though. No, <laughs> I have to think about it. And I thought, oh God, the trackies, the <laughs> they'll disown me. <laughs> Just thinking about Pippi Longstocking for a minute, actually, because it was interesting what you said before about the fact that um, she was doing this stuff on her own. Do you think that... Because when you mentioned it, you know, it wasn't necessarily um, that common, was it, for for anyone really to travel on their own? Well, Mm -hmm. some people, but particularly for women. Mm -hmm. And when you were saying when you first did it, but it has become more common now. So do you think... Well, do you think that the Pippi Longstocking doing stuff on her own, did that feed into that, do you think, or was it? I reckon so, yeah, because yeah. it was, you know, it was quite an unusual sort of show on, on many levels, <laughs> um, to be honest. And, yeah, that was an unusual element of this this young, sort of plucky girl sort of travelling alone by herself and living alone and mm. sort of just having complete fierce independence. And I don't think you know even now that there was a lot of kind of female characters Mm. like that you know it's a lot of cartoons and shows always tend to be very like male orientated didn't they and um yeah to kind of it it really resonated with me it was like it was one of my favorite kind of uh shows and it used to be shown i think a lot on Mm. itv on a saturday type thing um i used to watch it over and over again Mm. um and yeah i think i think it really kind of resonate and really spoke to me that that you could do these things mm. alone and i think you know whether i was aware of it or not maybe that did kind of mm. feed into it the idea of having like you know solo adventures all that kind of stuff because you know i love sort of like traveling with my husband now but i i also love still doing some solo trips and mm. and just having that total freedom and flexibility to to do whatever you want mm. um which to me i think is my favorite part of traveling you get up and you think, oh, today I will take myself to mm. the museum or I'll go for a walk or I'll do this. Um, so do you, do you not plan your trips that much when you go? You t- kind of tend to like to see how it goes. It depends on if it's a work trip or not. If it's just a trip for me, I'm a lot more kind of, you know, wing it kind mm. of style of travel. Um uh is that Lu- luke is style? yeah luke is not a wing it right. kind of style of tra- travel an itinerary. yeah and uh I, when we went backpacking for our honeymoon i was like oh it's fine i'll take care of everything <laughs> and we flew into um oh gosh uh, guatemala city hmm. and we were doing like a mini tour as we thought we'd start our honeymoon with a mini tour as our kind of compromise. Um, and then we'd have some time by ourselves uh, exploring Central America. So flew into um, Guatemala City and our tour started in Antigua. And I was like, oh, it's fine. There'll be a bus or something. There's no bus. So bear in mind, we've been traveling now for about 16 hours. Luke's kind of like, oh, we're getting a bus. I'm like, I'm sorting everything out. And I'm like, Don't oh, worry. no. 
he's gonna know I'm a moron and I don't know what I'm doing and I've t- flown into Guatemala <laughs> and told him everything's fine I don't know how we're gonna get to Antigua so I had to go up to the information desk and I was like oh hello I'm ever so sorry I'm on my honeymoon um, and my husband thinks I know what I'm doing and I don't um, please may I get a bus to and she just kind of waved me away to, and like pointed towards these cars she was right. like taxi Right. I was like, oh, God. So I wait, wait, we're getting a taxi. And he's like, are those taxis? Yes. I was like, I don't know. So <laughs> we got into this, like, man's car, gave him the address of the hotel. And I was thinking, please take us to the hotel. Because yeah. <laughs> if you don't oh, know, God. it's just proof that, you know, my, my wing it style isn't perhaps necessarily always the best way yeah. of travel. So luckily we got there and it was fine. But then the accommodation we're staying in, uh, the, the, the street that it was on decided to have a fireworks party at 3 a.m. for no. And when we asked the next day, we were like, oh, some sort of holiday celebration. And the guy just went, no, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Guatemala. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite le- I'm quite lucky. He, d- he does go along with my, my sort of crazy ideas and adventures. <laughs> does he him. try and plan it or do you, does he just... Uh um he, yeah you, he, can, he gets more involved now in the planning and stuff which is uh now he's been, now, probably necessary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we're going to sri lanka for a month in january and uh we're doing a bit oh, of planning nice. as to, to yes. what we're going to see and do there so maybe a half a half a happy medium is the yeah way yeah do a bit of planning and then do a bit of oh let's go to this random temple yeah. or get in this tuk-tuk and see where we go etc etc i will enjoy that I'm very excited. I'm really looking forward to it. I've not been to Sri Lanka before, so oh. yeah, I'm really looking forward to some some beaches and some temples, some culture, street food as well. How many trips do you do a year then, do you reckon, these, now that you're sort Gosh. of doing it all the time? I think I'm away about 50% of the year now. Um, and do they tend to be kind of short breaks rather than... Or? It's a mixture. Um, so some are a week long, some are a couple of days. Uh, some We went to the States for two and a half weeks um not so long ago yeah. uh so yeah it, it really sort of depends um on if it's a work trip personal trip or, mm. um or if it's just you know uh just a little staycation as uh, so we're going to um oh gosh where are we going to my somerset tomorrow mm. <laughs> uh, to a spa so i'm very excited <laughs> oh, <about>. very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so i try and do some staycation stuff in the uk to to kind of you know because people often ask me about traveling in the uk and where can you go for staycation so i try and mm. uh, do a bit of content around that as well because you know it's, it's important to explore what's on your doorstep as well especially in wales we've got some lovely coastlines and mm. castles seafood all that kind of stuff so i try um when time allows to kind of write about mm. home as well that job at the uh, Tourist Board of Wales is uh, is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, enjoy those trips. Oh, thank you. Now, I'd like to finish by asking you three questions okay. that I ask to everybody. Okay. So <laughs> the first one is, do you have a any kind of routine, like a daily routine? I guess particularly, it's a bit different in your case, isn't it? Because you're going away all the time. Yeah. But is there anything that you do? Let's say you're doing a day of writing mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. or... or you know, do you have a kind of routine that you go through? Uh, mostly, first things first is coffee. All <laughs> the things don't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, so I like to kind of, 
get up like I have to have coffee like immediately (laughs) (laughs) um and what I'm trying to work towards is being more organized and kind of doing the thing you know where you set out tasks Mm. for yourself but again I, I just kind of like dip in and out of different things and it it's mostly depending on deadlines so I'll I'll do something for 10 minutes, have another coffee. Mm. <laughs> do something else for 10 minutes, go on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> go on Skyscanner, remember <laughs> that I've got a deadline, <laughs> panic, have another coffee. <laughs> well, is this all in the, on the desk there? Or is oh, this it, moving around to a cafe or anything like that? Or? Yeah, it depends really because... Um, uh my husband's a music producer and has his own music publishing company so if he's recording in the <laughs> studio in our house um sometimes i have to leave because there's only so many times i can listen to the same bit of music over and over again yeah um so sometimes i'll move to a to a coffee shop um just gonna wait for a couple of hours but yeah i just i'm working definitely working towards being a bit more sort of like structured yeah. shall we say not not quite so uh chaotic but it tends to be a bit more sort of uh dipping in and out of things at the moment yeah it, like i said it's largely dependent on if i'm here or on the road or mm. what my deadlines are that kind of thing um <laughs> so yeah so i'm, I'm definitely trying <laughs> to become more organized <laughs> well it's working for you so far so uh, fingers crossed <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what about then when you think about everything that you've done um is there something that you feel sort of most proud about so one thing or something that happened or something that you did that you kind of look back now and think yeah that was I did that really well or that was you know that was great gosh um that's a tough one especially for for Welsh people we're quite self-deprecating as you've probably noticed (laughs) um I think for me uh my the thing I was most happy about was I I a few years ago I did a nine month round the world trip by myself um and i i went to different countries met uh fantastic people who i'm still friends with to this day many Mm. of them uh came to our wedding Mm. and again it was you know it's something i did for me and i didn't really have a plan um of what i was going to do or you know how long my money would last because i've been saving up for a while and yeah i think it was just i'm I'm kind of it's proud the word i did I guess maybe that I'd yeah. I, I went and just had an adventure to to have one because I wanted to to kind of see the world and for travel for a period of time by myself and and try and, and live boldly I suppose and and do something a little bit different especially because it was at the time when a lot of my friends you know looking into buying houses they had partners um maybe had a kid or mm. you know working away at the career ladders and I just I just wanted something a bit a bit different and I, I just wasn't ready to kind of just you know have a, a a structured life yet I still wanted to kind of live a little bit differently and, mm. and to kind of see a bit of the world so that's why I embarked on a, a big sort of like solo trip um but yeah I was, I was quite sort of proud that I did that I did mm. it you know on, on like my own money as well. You didn't well. get locked up? Or... No, um, didn't manage to not get locked up, which is really good. Um, did some cool activities as well. You know, I, I went through uh, the Australian outback. I went hmm. scuba diving. I went um, uh, skydiving. I had sorry mum written on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Has she forgiven you? <laughs> just about. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good fun and it was a really good and I'm yeah, I'm just proud of the fact that I've I've tried to always, you know, have adventures mm. as it were and, and trying not to to worry too much about sort of like living too, like conventionally and, yeah. and worrying too much about what what other people think i suppose mm. hmm. and finally then i know you mentioned you don't have as much time as you'd like to watch films or anything like that but what are you sort of consuming like creatively right now so it might be like a, a book or music or a film that you've watched recently or there's something that, that you've experienced and really enjoyed recently uh two things i um we've just finished the sinner mm-hmm. um on netflix i'm kind of into uh netflix box sets mm. at the moment there's been some really good quality ones like the the haunting of hill house was right. um like terrifying but also poignant as well it's just a brilliant brilliant piece of uh of television mm. and i've just finished um what's the sinner then the sinner um is about a cult mm. um and uh one of the there's there's one child that lives in the cult and he's he commits a murder and the whole uh premise is and unru- like sort of like trying to unravel why he committed this murder and is it to do with his upbringing in this in this kind of cult community um and yeah it just really kind of draws you in and you're trying to work out what the kind of structure of the cult is and you know who's really to blame and why he did it it's it's utterly fascinating mm. and books wise i just finished prisoners of geography okay um which is about uh geopolitics and how countries physical geography kind of um affects the way that they operate kind of economically and politically as well because okay. i love to read so yeah um it was that's a really that it's a really really interesting book um, i definitely recommend hmm. people who are interested in that kind of thing check it out final question i guess what's what's greg doing now what's he doing now um after I, inspiring you on this on this journey i spoke to him the other day um and we're planning to meet up in newcastle to kind of catch up and, yeah is he yeah. still traveling uh no he's based in newcastle right now um <laughs> But yeah, so we're kind of planning to meet up um, in the new year and stuff. So yeah, and kind of hang out because I haven't seen him in a little while. So because I've been busy on the road and stuff. So mm. yeah, really looking forward to that. I haven't actually been to, to Newcastle in a couple of years. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting back up there and uh, seeing because I've got other friends up there as well and kind of hanging out and yeah, going to all the legendary bars in Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good fun. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, enjoy that. And, uh, and Portia, thanks very much for talking to me. Thank you.